Welcome to episode 666 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 666 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oles. How you going, mate? I'm good, Bevan. You're, you're, I'm going to say this in a manly way, but you're sounding so sexy today. Well, and, and it's not just you. Well, I, I did actually see that you brought this up in the notes, and John, you are right. Listeners around the world probably already knew this about the show. Mm. Sometimes people say, say they can't understand me. It's probably because they can't understand me because I'm so sexy sounding. All of us Kiwis, well done. We are officially... The sexiest voice accent. accents in the world. It's a fact. And so... Because it's in the independent.co.uk, which has got more advertising than articles. So <laughs> <laughs> it must be true. Well, I imagine, you know, because like, some people when they like to get a bit, you know, a bit of, bit of snuggly buggly happening, mm-hmm. they put a bit of music on, mm-hmm. you know, but if, what kind of music would you, if you're having snuggly buggly, what you listen to? Oh, a bit of ACDC. <laughs> come, <laughs> come on, Belinda. You. <laughs> well, I imagine actually a lot of our listeners probably just put us on. Yes. You know, say, honey, we're going to the bedroom. I am talks coming on. <laughs> the travel site, Big Seven Travel announced the findings Monday after polling 8,500 people from 60 countries across the globe. <sighs> and according to the results, those surveyed found the Kiwi accent spoken by singers Lord and Keith Urban, the most alluring ranking. Is he Kiwi? I think Australian, is he? <laughs> Probably That's how accurate This article is <laughs> Ranking at number one Out of 50 accents We're claiming it I'm talking 666 uh, Peter Colson said We should have done The show in reverse Because of the reference To the number But we're, right. we're, 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 we're angels We are Peter I'm talking is proudly Brought to you by Extreme Endurance Your lactic buffer And our patrons And there's a few Jumbo Andy Big Mac McMillan Good old Penny P-Bomb McCummings, I think she's she just had a kid recently. So, really? Yeah, well, about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> just recently. Probably feels like the other day. Shane Trendsetter Reeves. Oh, Shane, I know as well. It's, it's all happening here on the show today. Okay, in this week's show, we've got a hot topic. We've got some news. We've got age group of the week. We, John History, let's I change the name. We're having a new topic called Deep Discussion. Deep Discussion, I Maybe like it. Maybe want to it. keep that into the old bedroom talk as well. Uh, winger of the week. Uh, and you're also going to do a bit of a, just a bit of an update on one of the rides you did this week, or training recessions you did. John's session of the week. Session of the week. There we go. Questions and answers at the end. Jonbo, we had a lot of 70.3s happening over the weekend, and 70.3 at Vietnam happened. World champion took it out in the males race. It was the Asia Pacific Championships, and it drew a quality field. So I did interview Patrick Langer that you're going to hear in a couple of weeks. It's, as I've said last week, the quality's not great, but he opened his season by outrunning everybody with a 115.55, uh, beating off Tim Van Berkel and Tim Reid, who turned around a week after doing Ironman Australia, where he had the best Ironman he's ever had, and uh, opened a can of whoop house on the bike and got a, got a nice little buffer, which he needed, and uh, hung on for third place in front of Mike Phillips and Craig Alexander. Interestingly, because I looked at the result, I forgot he did it at Ironman Australia. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, and so I looked at his runtime because Tim's tr- traditionally a pretty good runner, isn't he? Mm. You know, and so I was thinking, oh, 121 pretty slow. But I forgot, I actually forgot that. So I thought, oh, he must have had a great race, but... And good on him for taking the initiative and, and I saw Mike Phillips making a comment that good on him for, for trying to get away on the bike. You know, the chances of you outrunning Patrick Langer are not massive and uh, they went out there and, and tried to win the race so Although, good on them. Let, let's say 
on a, another day where he hadn't done Ironman a week before, you'd expect him to be running one closer to closer to one seventeen. Yeah. Yep. So it might have worked because he was three minutes faster off the bike mm. on a normal race. So good yeah. on him. So uh, it's great to see Holly Lawrence back crushing it. Uh, one fairly comfortably over four minutes in front of Sarah Crowley and Radka Kauderfelt in third. So really good quality field. So it was a championship race, which means uh, more money and uh, more slots for those wanting to go to the seventy point three World Champs. Which which Patrick Langer is actually doing. I think he said when I spoke to him. Oh, really? Mm. Okay, there you don't go. know that he's ever. Well, I don't know that he's ever been before. I don't. I'm not sure. He certainly hasn't been on the podium before. What about Trenzo? Do you know? No, but he has, he's had a couple of bad yeah, races lately. He, he recently. went to ITU Worlds and had a poor performance there. And you know, your initial response is uh, it's a result of the accident. But he's had some very good races from. So maybe he's just going through a bit of a, a lean patch or a massive block of training. Um, but he's normally. Pretty consistent. Mm, mm, he really is. Uh, next piece of news we have here is 70.3. How do you say this one, John? Uh, where are we? Pays. Pays. Uh, Addicts. Pays, it's in, uh, in France. And we had Andy Boucher uh, bike clear to win ahead of David Bowden and Andreas Dreitz, while Emma Plant pushed, pulled clear on the run to take it in front of Nikki Bartlett and Indy Lee. And then we also had uh, 70.3 Monterey, which is in Mexico. And Brent McMahon took that one out in front of. Francisco Serrano and Diego Becker and Lauren Goss took out the females in front of Sarah Pampiano and Maria Barrera. So I do wonder if Brent McMahon's ever going to make in Kona. He's had some great Ironmans, but he hasn't quite made it in Kona. So mm. I'm intrigued. He's got to be getting near, you know, a little bit long in the tooth, but uh, good on for keep winning, for keeping on winning. Uh, we also had a non-pro Ironman distance race happen in Santa Rosa. And I uh, just want to name the winners, John. Jan Stepinski took it out off the back of an awesome bike ride. He only ran a 3.13 to win. He did go 8.52.03, so respect for that. It's uh, not a flat course over there, but he rode a 4.41. So swim time 48.59, biked a 4.41, and then ran a 3.13. So he's either not a great runner or he was uh, had it in the bag and was just uh, in cruise control. So good on him. And he was in front of... Uh, you just wanted the winners, didn't you? So yeah, females. The female winner was uh, Elsa McDonald in 10.16.43, uh, only 19 seconds in front of second place. Well, so, speaking of close races, if we go to Ultraman Australia, we had the men's race, Carl Reed took it out in a time of 21.27.53, two hours in front of Matthew Wood and Lewis Fernandez, but in the female race OMG and at the end of an Ultraman mm. there was only how far is, uh, is the sprint finished John no there's about, about a minute or so oh so yeah sorry yeah, 20, a minute 24 15, hours minute yeah 24 hours 44 minutes 20 beating 24 hours 45 minutes 37 so uh, Emily Kempston beat out Tracy Morrison so fantastic racing I watched a tiny bit of just the finishes shots because I was trying to find the results yesterday yep. and the winner, when she crossed the line, looked like she was she had gunned it. She had absolutely killed herself, and she was the one who was hanging on for dear life because she ran an eight fourteen fifty one. Yeah, uh, and Tracy ran a seven forty two. So it took you know thirty two minutes out of her on the run. So she would have been running clear scared. She would have been getting splits. Oh. 
and the last bit of this race is a soft sand finish or not a soft sand you're running down a beach and then you've got to run over the soft sand to the finish so good on them the one thing I'm intriguing and Aussies maybe you can help me out with this as well so the, the event seems to be marketed now as UM Australia yeah no, um, and then the, elsewhere on the site it says they're not associated with any other events so I kind of wonder if um, Ultraman Hawaii are now trying to work a bit more on maintaining that brand and maybe they're asking licensing fees or things like that I'm not quite sure but if you know any inside goss feel free to flick it through third I might be completely wrong third and female's race was Melanie Hill she took out third spot as well but pretty cool to have such a close race at the end of like a, like a long three day race like that and to be running down scared shitless that's, that's pretty cool stuff it's um it's also good that they seem to be selling this race out every year so they limit it to 50 people and it seems like they're filling that every year do you year. know what the fees are? Uh, $2,100 I think it's, I mean, I'm not sure if it's Australian or US. Uh, don't know, but you can so, so they're pulling 100k of entries in. Yeah, you, but you're, um, which isn't massive. It's not much. Uh, oh. But and there'll be no sponsorship, really, would there? There's not. I think that no, it looks like they've got some sponsors, but yeah, but really big cash sponsors. Yeah, you wouldn't really have. No, there'd be no. I don't know. You wouldn't really have too much traffic management. I think you just go out and ride on the course, not like the closing roads and the. Yeah, so I don't know. Because an Ultraman, you do. Is it? Do you have to have a support team? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so then they're kind of looking after you in that front, aren't they? Mm. Mm. Okay, so we also have some big news, actually. So um, Iron Man have announced that for the 70.3 hap- that are happening in Taupo. Is that 2021 when they're happening? 2020. Okay, 2020. There's going to be double slot entries in all Oceana 70.3s and leading up to the race. So basically, there's going to be a lot of entries available for people. Yes, there is. Still not going to be easy to qualify. Oh, so no, not so it's easy, but... It, you Aussies, just stay over in Australia and leave the Kiwi slots to us. We've only got two two qualifying races. Are you going to try? Sorry? Not at this stage, no. It's a yes. It's a no. It's a, asking <laughs> Belinda, please Belinda, yes. So yeah, double slots. I knew that something like this would be coming because they're going to want to get as many locals uh, and Australians on board as possible. So I'm not at all surprised uh, to see this. There's lots of races in Australia, so... Go your good thing, uh, Iron Man. More good news for us down under, and I reckon we're going to see even more slots. Why aren't you doing Kiwis. it? Sorry. Why aren't you doing it? Because I'm, I'm focusing on this year. I haven't even planned next year yet. So. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but, come on, your world Why championship. You? Like when, when I was in Queenstown, were you in New Zealand then? No, no. But you regret that you weren't there for that. No, I've done world champs in New Zealand in 1994 in Wellington. Wow. Spencer Smith smoked That's before it. the internet. It was the last last draft non-drafting world championships. What was it like? Uh, it was cool because I was the first. Juniors went first, and I was the first Kiwi out of the swim, uh, and it was packed, and I got pretty excited. And then I just had a miserable race. What was it like watching Spencer Smith? Because that was a hard was course awesome. too, wasn't it? He just decimated it. He just rode off the front, and then there was a pack of about 40 that came in, and he had put like two and a half minutes into them. Wow. Going to triathlon was live. Where did they do the run back in that race? Uh, along the waterfront. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. So, mm. so, World Championship in mm. New Zealand, New Zealand's premier <laughs> top triathlon coach is not going to race it. Not planning on it at this stage. Oh, you need to sharpen up. Look after the family. Got to just balance everything out. But this is the one you can win on because it's only up in Taupo. Take the family along. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to Hawaii for a week like yeah, next week. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> going over there. I'm taking Belinda this time. Oh, there you go. That's how you do it. Um, okay, so we've got that coming up. So for all the all the Australians, stay away from New Zealand. <laughs> That's yeah. the message. Challenge Row are doing a 
full TV coverage of the duration of Challenge Road this year happening in Bavaria. Now, can we access that around the world? Well, what I'm hoping, and the reason I put this into the news is, uh, yeah, it's going to be live all day long on local TV, which is fantastic for them, and hopefully that'll mean we get uh, full back-to-back live coverage. They've done live coverage in the past quite a bit, yep. but I don't think it's been back to you know, start to finish yep. continuous. I could be wrong there um, because the last two times I haven't really been observing too closely. But uh, yeah, good times. Nice work, wrote. Coming up, races outside of the Ironman world. What's happening this weekend, Jombo? We've got the Enduro Man in Christchurch. Back it up. Is it your race? No, it's in Christchurch, United Kingdom. Oh, you clever trousers. Uh, and <laughs> over there, they've got a full, they've got a double, they've got a triple. I don't think they've got a decker. Uh, so multiple laps sort of race. And then you've also got the Iron Cat in Lampola in Spain, which from memory is a crazy hard hilly course. So not too much racing coming up this weekend. What um, question for you is, I did see on Facebook you've announced some half Ironman. I'm not, you're organising a half Ironman, so Kiwis, check it out. It'll be, I think it's December 15th, going to be in North Canterbury, out in the middle of What's nowhere. What's the name of it? The Oxman. Why Ox? Because it goes next to Oxford. Oh, okay. And I just sort yeah. of, I was thinking of a name, and I got a cool logo, I think. And it's going to be relatively low-key. It's going to be reasonable entry fees. I'm not going to be shafting anybody. Uh, it's going to be mid-December. So it's going to be great timing if you're getting ready for Ironman New Zealand or what you know, an Ironman in the, the new year. Is so, there a website? Uh, it's got a holding page. But it's a half iron man, it's not crazy hilly. December fifteenth, website under construction. Under construction right now. Okay, John's IT update. We've had um, some sprints happening and we've also got Yokohama coming up this weekend. We have. So I really like the format that they're doing with the World Cup. So I, I, know, I know I usually say this, but I know a lot of you don't follow ITU too closely. World Cup is the second tier down. But what they do at a number of races is they have heats and finals. They call them semi-finals and heats. It's not a semi-final when you haven't had to qualify for it, so just call it a heat, please. Uh, but they do the heats over sprint distance triathlons, so 750, 20k bike, 5k run. And then in the final, they more or less half it, and so it's super sprint, high speed, kind of super league type action. And uh, Matt Hauser took the, out the final in the men's in front of Ben Canute. And then on the female side of things, Laura Linderman beat out Renee Tomlin and Valerie Beth and Lemley from Belgium. So go your good thing. And as Bevan said, this weekend we've got Yokohama coming up. Uh, pretty big, pretty important race. It is. And I may have got the dates mixed up. I might have said on last week's show that it was last weekend, but it's this weekend. Uh, big big qualifying race for, for someone like Alistair Brownlee. All the big uh, guns are there? Uh, yeah, pretty much. But that's consistent, you know. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Mary, Mario Mola backs up after getting uh, his pants pulled down in Bermuda and not making the front group along with Dorian Konax who took that race out on the run in fantastic fashion and also how Javier Gomez goes when it's not a really really hard bike race Uh, so really looking forward to the guys race it's typically does come down to a bit of a run so it's a bit of a bore fest on the the bike but you never know they might get a breakaway and then that'll keep things interesting Uh, the females side of things have you raced at Yokohama? Yokohama? No, I have not. I no. Female side of things, again, you've got all the, the usual sort of hitters, Katie Zaveris, Jess Leomoth, Spy, Taylor Spivey. So, yeah, that's the thing about the ITU. Pretty much every race, you've got 
90-ish percent of the uh, the athletes. Last year, uh, Mario Mola took it out fairly convincingly, running 29.52 in front of Jake Burkwistle and Fernando Alaza on the female side of things last year. Flora Duffy, just I hope, God, I hope she comes back racing at some stage. She uh, She's known for her being a weapon on the bike, but she actually won this one on the run in front of Katie Zaveris and Non Stanford. So looking forward to seeing how the Great Britain athletes go, because for them, this is a selection race, so it's very, very important for the Olympic Games. Uh, just one other thing, if you are in New Zealand, and New Zealand listeners in particular, they have now got the licensing to have triathlon live in New Zealand, so you can buy and download it here. I know Rob Dallymore was always getting uh, fired up about that, because you have to watch it on Sky, and if you don't have Sky, you basically can't watch it, so now if you want to watch any of the old triathlons, uh, ITU stuff, or, or even, even the, the new stuff. And the new stuff, how, after, how long after the event do they have it up for replay? Uh, very close. So you've got live coverage, and then uh, it's within a few hours. Oh, so great. Think, yeah, it's pretty pretty good. And there's lots of old stuff on there that's great. Okay, John, we're going to go into this week's discussion. So the discussion was, what stops you from getting a workout done, and what are you doing to try and fix it? You can go first, John. Brian Lafleur. Uh, usually it's the second workout of the day I struggle with, regardless of whether it's a swim, bike, or run. I'm always super motivated for the morning workout, but the workday and life demands leave me wanting to just get home and relax in the evening. Keeping those second workouts short and somewhat loosely planned helps as I don't feel I need to perform to a certain standard. That usually helps me getting started and I end up getting in a quality session once I'm going. Good old Chris. Hanrahan has got my one-year-old refuses to get a job and just lays around the house all day just refusing to put on her weight makes it tough to get that to training session sometimes and then good old David Greyhound he's got Chris my dog is also unemployed <laughs> puts a strain on my training Michael Kennedy I'm highly motivated but being human I still have tendencies to self-sabotage I was self-coaching for a while which lends itself to be open to self-sabotage more than with a coach the goals I ha- have are big and bring on a coach who understands not just periodization but also the importance of the relationship mm. with each other as well as the relationship I have with myself has made a big difference uh, John Mincy Muncy he's got Always work routinely 60 hours of working a week solution, early retirement, and finally get a life. Matt Moran, work and family commitments. I organise my week on Sunday with all my laundry and lunches prepared. Secondly, I'm embracing short sessions as they can be jammed in throughout the day. It's too easy for a long weekend uh, weekday session to be thrown away altogether if I don't swap in a compromised one. That's nicely organised, Matt, being, getting sorted on Sunday. All your laundry Sounds a bit like my weekly lunches. meetings. Yep, it is. Yeah. Yep. Martin Towers. Did you do Martin Towers? No. Okay. Uh, Martin Towers has got children, either clubs or not wanting to miss them do their stuff, or my teething daughter. Training, the solution is to train at 5 to 5.30 a.m. or after 8 p.m. Hurts getting up, but ultimately most events start early, so it surely must benefit me at some point. Lynette Warren, whiplash from work. What the hell sort of job do you do, Lynette, where you get whiplash from work? <laughs> neck and shoulders sore just struggling to getting in to swim uh, going to use the snorkel to keep the head straight to try to solve that okay I'm going to say Aaron Morgan cutting off uh, running out cops running out oh, sorry cutting cutting off running cops out crap weather outside and it can't be bothered to go to the gym for a treadmill run so I bought a cheap second hand treadmill and for the shed so no excuse in six months I've used it once <laughs> as it's so crap and it makes me either run outside or get my buns at the gym so it has actually worked out unless you're somewhere where you've got really severe winter weather in winter it's not you run outside the whole time yeah I, I totally know. agree when it's raining get outside and run 
And, and you always love it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but, but you don't go running in ice and snow and shit. Yeah, but, I get it. Yeah. But yeah. In Christchurch, I wouldn't even contemplate going on a treadmill. Uh, Justin Dugan, that kid's not sleeping and waking me up all night. That kills the 5 a.m. trips to the pool. Here's the weakest of the lot. Uh, go to Kaya McBride. McBride. The kitchen and my desire to bake. I'm usually making cookies. Marcel camped in the weather, so I try to ignore the forecasters. Good old Kim Lawrence has got kid and a husband working in Greymouth. It's a work in progress. Good and finally, old. Matt Young, four kids. That's your fault for having four kids. Yeah, you should have stopped earlier. <laughs> just, just controlled the urge, Matt. Got the chop, got the chop. Yeah. Get checked and then go back again. Yeah, well, you did it twice, didn't you? Yes. You, were, you were so like, I want to make sure mm-hmm. I'm getting it done twice. <laughs> no more kids. <laughs> no more kids. Bevan, when you were training, what stopped you from doing your work? Um, by the end, I was, I was actually pretty great. Um, I would say ill-discipline, really. Um, but even now, like when I think back when I did that Queensland race a couple of years ago and I probably tried to do the athletic life for a little bit, I'm, I'm actually really good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've learned how to, if you've got to do something, do it. And then I also learned how to hit the objectives as well. I think a lot of it's planning. Yep. You know, and, and, and so I'll do two things. I, a, I do, um, I plan it my week. So mm-hmm. I, well, there's three levels. I have my weekly meeting, which you and Phil, I know you're just. <laughs> um, and then I have my morning meeting. And my morning meeting is kind of a moment where I look through my day. Bevan, present. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one thing I do in my morning meeting is what I call my defining moments. And it's I've, I scan my day looking for the two or three moments that will define my day. Mm-hmm. And what once I kind of go through that process and identify those two or three moments, then what I look to do is just go preload the behaviours you want to do at those moments. Um, and that seems to really work for me. So uh, back in the old days, it was just a little bit of slackness. Like I, I, One thing, when I first started Ironman, I was probably a 60% athlete. Mm-hmm. Did the programme 60% of the time, mm-hmm. hit and miss with the other 40. By the end of it, that last block of Ironman, I was definitely a 100% guy. Um Maybe life, if, but I, I think if you're playing well, you can get most of it in. Yeah. I don't have a kid. My yeah. daughter's my daughter's off now. She's over travelling, so it's definitely easier for me as well. Mm. What about you? Um, mainly for me is if I don't, when I fall off at all, and I'm, I'm pretty much hit my program very, very closely. It's if I haven't scheduled a time for it. And a couple of people said with that second session of the day, that's where I might come a little bit unstuck. So if I know I've got, say, a 75-minute ride, and if I don't say I'm doing that at 3 o'clock, uh, then it just sort of time clicks yeah. over and clicks over, and I'll still get something done, but it might be a 60-minute ride instead you, you, of 75. You can't negotiate the time, start time. Because yeah. yeah. what happens when you just negotiate the start time is the plan has to change. Mm. You know what I mean? Because let's say you meant to go at three, and you think, oh, I'll just do it at five. Mm. But then suddenly someone comes up, oh, can you look after the kids for half an hour? Mm. It's like, oh, no. So, so it ended up being a two-hour ride becomes a 30-minute run. You know, if, if you've looked at your timetable and it says start then, start then. So that's generally for me is that I try to be as ruthless as I can with starting on time, and that's what uh, makes things get done. And if you really want to do something, you're going to make it happen. <laughs> if you want to train enough, you, you can fit everything else in and there's enough well, time in the day to get everything done. That's why personal organisation is so important because if you feel that you're lacking because you haven't done enough work at work, mm. there's more of a reason not to train. Exactly. Or if you feel you haven't contributed to your relationship or your partners or your hobbies or your friends or whatever, whereas when you're really well organised, you make sure you put time into everything. So, mm. you know, it's that kind of, I love this, you know, one book with John and I have both talked about is Getting Things Done by David Allen. And it's just kind of this premise of whatever I'm doing right now, I'm present in. Mm. So, that, you know, when you well organise as a person, 
it does mean that when you work, you do good quality work. But then when you leave work, you don't have to think about, oh, I haven't got this done. Yeah. You know, I can just focus on my training. So I think it's I think important. this week's one is really good. Well, I think you can give me a bit of love here because what? I came up with the idea of these sentence starters and you <laughs> laughed right. at me. You laughed at me. You said, you fool, when you made like 70 responses. And what have you done this week, John? You know when you're taking your bike training too seriously when... Yes. Dot, dot, dot. Yep. So and I'll give one today because this came up to me when I was on the bike the other day. I was doing... Uh, I've got my fancy new bike. I'll talk about that later. And I was out doing a, a session where I was riding a half Ironman pace for, for about 45Ks. Came into this intersection and this bloody car in front of me wasn't turning as fast as I'd like it to. Uh-huh. And I was like, I lost two watts and I was really pissed off. Okay. I'm like, get over yourself, you dipshit. It's just training. <laughs> so that's maybe what, what made me think about this. So things like that. Okay, so it's a sentence starter. Great idea from me. Uh, you know you are taking your bike training too seriously when dot, dot, dot. Uh, I think I'm going to give my answer here, John. Mm-hmm. On Epic Camp when I had six saddle sores. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was not a pleasant place. Okay, let's talk about our sponsor. Extreme Endurance. If you your are looking buffer. your lactic buffer and also your fuel source. So oh. if you're struggling to find the right fuel or you're looking to just spice things up and you've had sick of really sweet drinks, check out Fuel 5. It's five forms of fuel, four carb- carbohydrate fuel sources and lactate. It's all got organic sweet potato. Uh, it's got com- complex carbohydrate blend to help stabilize blood sugar sugar levels during exercise and it's also got some b6 and b12 helps to eliminate cramp and muscle burn clean light flavor and for extended training and that's the one thing when i've been on the old fuel five is definitely find the flavor to be nice and light not as sugary as other drinks so if you're looking for an alternative go check it out uh, xendurance.com if you do want to get that little extra boost from caffeine from your drinks uh, then they've also got the Fuel 5 Plus which has got caffeine in it as well and I've probably told the story a few times so what, the couple of times I've been on that been a bit down cranked out a bit of Fuel 5 Plus caffeine's kicked in come home strong and even more important now you can't get no-dose anywhere anymore Bevan why not? I don't know not selling in New Zealand that's where I used to get my, have my caffeine tablets on the bike luckily I've got two left for Hawaii, Ooh. can't get no-dose anywhere. And the thing with caffeine is the no-dose tablets I take, they're 100 milligrams. Everything else I can find is 200, and I don't want that much. Uh, only just shop so, it in half. So, <laughs> do that. <laughs> and I know, of, of course, you can get caffeine from all your gels and, and drinks and things like that, but I prefer to take it in a tablet format. So, come on, no-dose, you've got one customer left. <laughs> come on. <laughs> anyway, for, for your fuel sources, check out X-Endurance Fuel 5 for a great-tasting drink and Fuel 5 Plus for some extra caffeine. And remember that they, they don't have the discount code anymore, but they've got a, a membership with the deal where you pay so 100 bucks a year. 95 bucks a year. $95 a year. You get free shipping in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, you basically get discounts. So if you are a regular user, investing 100 bucks a year is actually pretty wise because you're going to save a lot of money in the long term. So check out xendurance.com. Jombo, three, two, one, age group, group of the week. week. Now, Jombo, I've actually got it here. And I'm going to say female 45 to 49 because we've got old Veronica. Um, I'm going to say... Araganda, Araganda, she did a ten thirty one forty one. That's pretty close to front of the race. I thought it was ten sixteen won it. So that's yeah, ten sixteen. So ten sixteen won the age group. This is Ironman Santa Rosa. Yep. And then in the thirty to thirty four age group, ten seventeen. But she's in forty five to forty nine. So she's only like fifteen minutes behind the people who won the age groups ten years faster than her. Mm-hmm. That's a nice good way. effort. Forty forty four. She what? Let's have a look here. Where's she from? Country. Um, Chile. 
Nice work. Go yeah. to Chili's. Yeah. Go to, Ch- go to Chili's. Chileans. She swam um, 107. She biked. Let's have a look here. 534. Solid. And then she ran a 340. That's a pretty good effort. Nice work. That's a pretty complete race too, isn't it? It is. You know, that's a good solid day at the office. All the best if you're going to Kona. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It is cool. As much as these kind of non-pro races are, you know, they're in the sport. They are what they are. Mm-hmm. It would be cool. Oh, you did it when you did. Oh, you won a race. Great. Yeah. You, but you went first cross the line, were you? I was. That's oh. the thing. But the, yeah, I was. But quite easily could have been first over the line, got to do the interviews and stuff, and then finished 10th. Oh, could have happened but that could, way. Could have quite easily happened. Should have. You young fellas should have smoked my ass. What are you predicting you're going to get in a couple of weeks? Let's make your prediction. Okay, let's make it right now. Well, there's a guy, Dan Sobletsky, who's won Hawaii Ironman. We've interviewed him, haven't we? Uh, yes. He's won the age group over, and overall in Kona. So. So I'm going to have to go very fast. Is it no pro again? No pros. And he would have to go not so fast. And then I'm sure there'll be some other good guys. Are there uh, slots for Kona? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that so brings back. I'm predicting I'll go f- better than I've ever been before over there. I think I'm in good shape. Top Where, five? What place that's going to be? I've, no, I've asked for a prediction. Okay. I think I will get uh, fourth and I'll be third in my age group. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> that's a good answer. Uh, Have some music, Bevan. Okay. Oh, actually, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not doing music for the next couple of weeks because I don't want to do much editing. Okay. This is much easier. I've got, because basically what's going to happen is uh, John and I are doing like seven shows in, in the next period of time. So, And I'm trying to get all my shows done before I go on holiday. So less editing, less work. So let's go. Deep topic. Now what's happened is John was trying to do a history lesson and I was like, doesn't really fit. So we're going to get a new topic section and it's called deep talk about and it's basically we're going to go deep into a discussion we've got a great email here from ollie mclaren and i think we're both going to disagree but it's still an interesting discussion he's got don't get me wrong frodo is pretty great but i sometimes think he gets a bit too much credit for his itu days aside from unexpectedly winning the olympics not sure if i could do that he was never a world champ and didn't win many races he's a bloody good long distance athlete but i don't i think he gets blown up up a bit too much so we thought we'd do a bit of research and we have a bit of discussion around this. So first of all, John, let's look at his record as an ITU athlete. So if, uh, he had 59 starts on the ITU, 18 podiums and three wins. 59 of, starts, 18, so basically about a 30% podium. Yeah, which is, which is, you know, compare that to someone like Bevan Doherty, who was of a similar era, raced for a longer period of time. 95 starts, 39 podiums, and 14 wins. Uh, so in terms of the races where uh, Fredino did win, we all know the big one, the big kahuna, where he took out the Olympic Games. Uh, he, also, he also, I don't think this counts as an individual win, but he was part of the team that won the... Um, uh, Hamburg Mixed World Relay Champs, and that was his last race. So wait a second, so he got three wins and one was a mixed relay? No, I think that was an extra one. Okay. Uh, so that was in 2013. Uh, he also has got lots of, quite a few podiums in t- sort of around the 2010 period and sort of fifths and sixths uh, around that period. He won the World Championship Series in Yokohama in 2009. Uh, I do remember that, I think this was a sprint finish when in 2009 at the Ivy ITU Triathlon Elite Cup when this is when they had the big money online. There was Fredino, Chris Gemmel, um, Simon Whitfield, 
and I think probably Gomez and maybe something else. It was like a five-way sprint to the line. Oh, really? And uh, he ended up getting third there. I'm not sure if Bevan Doherty was amongst that as well. He won the Beijing uh, Olympic Games. Uh, and in terms of his other wins, I'm just trying to find them. But uh, maybe that other one does count. I think it does. So, he, so Beijing, he won. So he won the big banger. He and he was a surprise at Beijing, wasn't he? He also won Seoul, sorry. So, uh, an ITU series race in Seoul. So, so he was a surprise at... at at, at the Olympics, you, no one would have picked him to win it. No, no. And if he hadn't gone on to have, the, you know, he's, he's one of the best of all time in iron distance. So, sorry, so just to, the, the lead into the Olympics. So it, uh, in 2008 in Tungyong, uh, World Cup, he finished third. He did a Schleser European Cup. He finished fifth. He did Hamburg, um, which was probably the last race before the Olympics, around about five weeks before, and he finished second there. So... I wouldn't say he, he wasn't a favourite, but he was uh, certainly... You, he wasn't, you weren't totally surprised for him to win. No. But you wouldn't have put, put your money on him. Absolutely. Okay. So as an ITU athlete, you would have said, if he hadn't have gone on to have the career he had, the thing is, nowadays it's so lean towards the Olympics. Mm -hmm. You win Olympic gold medal, you're kind of a legend straight away. That's the thing. You take that one result out, yeah. and you just look at his results and go, you're, you're all right. Yeah, he was a good, solid athlete, Nothing wasn't special. he? But he won the big banger. Yeah, that's the one saving grace. For, not saving grace. It's awesome, and he was a great athlete. And I think he just didn't didn't get it right in terms of it took him a oh, long so you time. Don't, you to don't think he actually kind of got his potential? No, no. Because uh, and I remember Chris Gemmel um, was saying, you know, leading into the Olympics, he he'd been training with the Germans, and he he was pretty sure he was going to medal in terms of uh, Fredino. We're talking not Gemmel himself. He injured himself, uh, but he, he he knew the talent. So I think he was an amazing talent, but just didn't quite get it right at the ITU level. Um, when he came across to Ironman, it's nothing short of spectacular. Uh, and so I think whilst maybe he gets too much credit for his ITU career, he doesn't get long enough course. credit for yeah. his long course. So you bloody take a look at his long course oh, no, career. It's it is it? insane. So you, it, you, we're on uh, trisplits.com here, and that's got most of his uh, Ironman and Challenge races. Every result is a one, a two, or a three, and most of them are ones, except for when he obviously walked through the uh, the run at yep. Ironman. So he started off with a third at Frankfurt, third at World Champs, came back next year, won Frankfurt, won World Champs, he went to Lanzarote to validate and finished second there to Jesse Thomas, went 7.35 and wrote, went back and won uh, World Champs, he won uh, Austria, Blew out at the World Champs, and then Frankfurt, uh, he went eight hours, uh, 58 seconds, and won that last year, and then didn't race Kona last year. No, because he was injured. Yeah, he was gutted. That is an insane record. I don't know if anybody can match that. Uh, in terms of in the modern era, you know, let's take Mark Allen and Dave Scott out of the equation. And long course. Maybe Craig Alexander's probably not too far off that. Well, let's have a look. He had a very good record, but outside of that, that's... Daniela Reef, you know, let's talk males, not females, because her and Chrissy have pretty much got a one in every single column, I think. Well, that, but, yeah, and the girls side of things, I just. But uh, for for guys, I don't think he gets enough credit. I just he's if if he's fit and healthy, I just think he's so far in front of everybody else. Uh, you know, I, I hate to think how fast he potentially could have gone last year if he'd really been on top form and unleashed on the run. Uh, I think he could just go insanely fast. Crow so, was pretty good. Yeah, Crow, he had a he, first race, he got sixth, I think, Ironman Australia. Was it 2007? Uh, whatever his first race. I know he got, he got third in, two, in 2007. Okay. But then 2008 won the World Championship, 2009, got fourth in uh, 2010. 
no, nine, sorry, 2010, he got fourth, 11 got first, um, on those Coeur d'Alene, won, I mean, uh, World Championships, he won, he won Melbourne in 2012, didn't have a great 2012, 13, oh god, this, this is a bit confusing, 2012 World Champs, oh, okay, so you, yeah, there was a period where he was pretty strong, he didn't have necessarily, although he did win 7.3 World Champs as well. Yep. Uh, so Fredino also at his 70.3s, uh, we have talked about Ironmans, uh, he has got a stellar record there. Pretty much, again, every race has basically been a win or a second. He, and the th- he got third at the 2014 uh, World, oh, that's World uh, Ironman Champs. He got third at the European Champs, that's Ironman as well. Pretty much all the 70.3s he's done, he's either won or been, uh, he got second at 70.3 Worlds in 2014. So long course. Sorry, do you say him and, and Crowe are on par? Well, Crowe's just got that little bit more longevity. Now, I'd say f- I'd s- I'd probably say Fredino's above Crowe. To be I, honest, I, I actually think you're probably going to say Fredino's a slightly better athlete. Mm. But as in what they've achieved, you'd say it's on par at the moment mm. because for, for Crowe. Fredino gets another one, I'd say he's a bit ahead, but at the moment, yeah. Well, I, think, Fredino, I think the thing is, Fredino's a bit unlucky. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had a few more injuries than maybe what Crowe had. Because Crowe, when, once he hit peak, he yeah. stayed there for about five years, didn't he? Yep. he yep. You know, he had that block that he was just in his peak form for five years and really took the sport to another level, too, didn't he? Because mm-hmm. he kind of brought that bike in that last time and he won. Um, whereas Fredino's kind of been in peak for a while, but he's also had a bit of bad luck. Mm. So he had the bad Kona and then last year not racing. Um. I think the difference to me is when Crowe was winning, and you say you pre-race, you do your picks, you go, yeah, I think Crowe will probably be the top three. Don't know if he'll win, but I'll pick Frankie Fredino. If he's fit, I'll pick him first every single time. What about uh, Langer? Sorry? Langer's got no hope. <laughs> He'll be lucky if he gets the top five. But I think I think um, good old Ollie does bring up a good point. Yes, because you always go, Olympic champion. Yeah. You know, well, that was, was one race, and I'm not taking anything away. Oh, no, God, no. But and because that is the ultimate when you perform on that one single day. But outside of that, his IQ career record was uh, was better than Crowe's, but it still was nothing compared to the great Olympic distance athletes. And I wonder what those who like you know like when we think about like Bevan Doherty, we've looked at his results as an ITU, one of the best of all time, especially mm-hmm. in his era, because mm-hmm. there was no real dominant performer other than maybe Gomez. Yeah, and he had the better of Gomez a little bit early on in his career. But yeah, yeah he had Gomez. wasn't like because Bevan was at the end of when Brownlee came in, he was, wasn't he? he yeah, he, the tail end of Bevan's career was when Gomez, uh, when Brownlee was coming in, and Gomez was sort of towards his peak. Because in Bevan's era, which is Bevan's era, is kind of the two thousands, isn't it? Yes, yep. Well, he, he and I were in France in 98, 99, and that's when his build was starting, and he kind of, uh, yeah, so. To, uh, yeah, early 2000s. 2004 was when he got the Olympic medal and he won the World Championships in 2004. Um, and, and he got the bronze at Beijing, didn't in he? In 2008. And yeah. then after that, it was a bit of a slide down. So so in the in the 2000s, ITU racing was... Because you look at... Like, we're going to have Macron a few weeks from now doing the gods of the 90s males. Um, the 90s were very dominated by a couple, two or three guys, weren't they? Mm, You're going to yes. say Lessing, Smith. yeah. Yeah, and then there was a, there was a big group behind them. Yeah, Barry Bevan, you know, mm. but, uh, you know, nineties in ITU seems to be it was a bit more mixed up. He wasn't the dominant character, was he? Two thousands, you mean? Yeah, sorry, two thousands. Yeah, yeah. Gomez was certainly coming through in the two thousands. You'd almost split the two thousands in half. You're taking me off topic here. I haven't done all no, my no. It was, on it was that. just interesting because if we go to Fredino, if he didn't go on, to, so like, so like, is he a legend? Well, obviously, he looked no brainer, but. 
I wonder when he went to long course, what ITU athletes were thinking how successful he would be. Mm. You know, because when we look at um, Bevan, other than that one amazing Ironman New Zealand performance he had, he didn't mm. really do anything long course. It, yeah, he had, he had a couple, but he didn't do anything in Hawaii. He did have another good Texas, I think he was, where he yep. had a good race with Hoffman. Uh, but yeah, I think a good comparison for an ITU athlete that went on to Ironman compared to Frodo. So, so we just mentioned Macca. Mm. He had a much, much more successful ITU career, world champion, lots of podiums, uh, and then took a what didn't have wouldn't have had as successful a career as Frodo. No, got some current titles, won lots of Ironmans, won rote, set some amazing times in rote, had a very long career and, and done a lot more racing than Fredino. Uh, so that's another. So comparison. here's the question, who's the better? Uh, I would say Fredino, yeah. Yeah, probably. But I still respect Macca's uh, achievements because, yeah. And his tenacity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, interesting discussion. So I think ultimately what we're saying is Ollie's got a point, but you win the Olympics and you're set in stone forever, aren't you? Absolutely. You know, you're set in stone forever. Uh, who's the worst Olympic winner, both female and men? Um, in terms, so the person who's won the Olympics and be, hasn't had the best career outside of that. So the Olympic winners, you've got on the men's, you've got Simon Whitfield in 2000, Hamish Carter 2004, 2008 was Fredino, 2012 was Brownlee, and 2016 was Brownlee. So out of all them, who had the worst ITU career? It's Frodo, isn't it? It's Fredino, yeah. followed by, oh, then it's a bit of a tight one between, I'd probably say Whitfield. Carter. Carter, and then Brownlee. Yep. And the females? Females, well, <laughs> that's where Bridget, Bridget McMahon. Because she got done for drugs after the yeah. fact, didn't she? So she, she and, she, and she was the worst. Uh, <clears throat> so 2000, and then you had... Did she do anything before the Olympics? <clears throat> Not really, no. Oh, okay, no. So. no. Mm. Uh, and then you had 2004, I'm pretty sure it was Snowsill. When was the 2008 Olympics? It was, it was the, um, the, the, the sprint. Remember, it was a really close finish. No, no, that was the one after Beijing. Oh, was, was it London? Who won 2004? 2008 it was. Oh, no, 2000, 2000 was Bridget McMahon. 2004, 2004 was, was Athens. 2004 was in Athens. Who the hell won that? That okay. was Kate Allen. She was even worse. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good discussion, Bevan, because yeah. that's your first two female Olympics. They were, and I'm not being nasty to them, their careers were nothing outside of that one one uh, race. And one of them got done for drugs after the fact. Yeah, and then 20, uh, uh, 2008. 2008, that was Snowstorm. She was awesome. And were, were they seeing each other at the moment? No. Okay. No. Uh, 2012 was, that was... A, was Jorgensen, was it? No, no. no. Uh, she was 2016. 2012 was a sprint finish between... Uh, Norden and... Spirig and Norden, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It was a Spirig one. Spirig one, yeah. So in the girls, you'd say um, best is Snowsall? Yes. Yep. Second? Oh, Snowsall and Jorgensen. Uh, oh, of course, yep. Yep. And then... then say Spirig? Spirig, she has a great career. And then the other two are a long way back in third. I guess. Or fourth. So, so obviously, a deep, a deep uh, what is that? Deep topic. Yes. It's a winner, John. It's a winner. So we're saying Frodo, legend, won the Olympics. Maybe not a great ITU career, but a solid ITU career. Great long course career. Okay, John, let's do Winger of the Week. week. Roland Lexiel, you're impressive where you went riding because I was looking into you last week. He did uh, 27 hours yeah, of training last this week. Yeah, I was because I thought, I'll do my research here, see what Roland's doing because we normally bumble our way through this section. Um, but Roland Lisek, he's from Stockholm in Sweden and he did a big week of training on the bike and mainly made up of two massive rides. And he went off and bloody rode it from... Um, I, 
I'm wondering if this is part of Sweden. It's on sort of the European mainland, but he rode off into bloody, uh, let me just click on that map there. There's a picture of him saying, welcome to Russia. Uh, he rode through, uh, I think it's Latvia. Yeah, no, Lithu he went into Lithuania and then one day and then he came back and they went into uh, went across into Poland and there's this little section where they start their rides which doesn't have a name on it and so I wonder if it's a little territory of Sweden potentially but he did some big rides, 200, uh, 246k's on one of those days and the other day wasn't too much so that's what it takes to get to the top of the Wanger of the Week so Roland, Luxell, nice Big bike rides, they've got their pannier little bags and everything on their backs, so they've got their pictures on here. Uh, that's a solid week of training. Here's a question for you, John. Mm. What's the, what, what do you reckon is the, well, maybe we could just discuss as a discussion of the week, the most countries you've been in on one bike ride? We did this once in France, and we did about uh, four. We did a little corner in the bottom of France, and we went into Switzerland, France, and I can't remember where else, with Germany, and we might have done one other. I can't remember. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is very cool. Yeah. The most countries in one ride. Okay, John, let's do your... So, John's oh, session of the week. So, you've got your big race coming up in a couple of weeks from now. What date's it at? It is uh, Queen's birthday weekend. Which so is the, like the first, first, of first of June or second of June. Um, and one of the things John always likes to do pretty close to a race is a half Ironman distance uh, effort. And uh, tell us about it, John. So, I did an Olympic distance simulation at half Ironman effort. Oh, okay. So, the, the, the correct way to do the session, uh, but for often for pool of space availability it's not always practical to do it so ideally you do it as a swim bike run and basically doing an Olympic distance triathlon at your half Ironman effort however the substitution for this if you can't get into the pool or it's just not convenient uh, what I do and what I suggest to athletes you basically do a three to four kilometre run or a couple of miles uh, to warm up and you make that a progressive run and the idea behind that is you want to be hitting the bike so you're straight onto the bike and you're straight into it so there's no warm up whatsoever uh, so then you go out and do your bike, uh, sort of 40 to 45 kilometres at half Ironman effort. For me, I was aiming for 265 watts, which is sort of my number that I want to try to achieve when I race. Uh, the other thing for me is uh, the Kona course is quite rolly and you sort of head up to Harvey, so I kind of mixed the ride up with a bit of cadence variation because I was mainly riding on the flat because we don't really have any rolling hills in Christchurch, you're either riding on the flat or you're riding up some serious climbs and I didn't want to do serious climbing. Uh, and then get off the bike, run 10 kilometres at half Ironman pace. So the formula I was working off is for half Ironman I do the run walk, uh, run 3Ks and then walk around about 150 metres uh, and I aim to be running at about 3 minutes 45k pace and then that means my average pace once I've done the walking turns out to be about 3.55. So what I'm trying to achieve in this session is probably a little bit fairly obvious. You know, you're trying to do a bit of a race simulation. Uh, what I find with a lot of athletes is um, go out, they do, go out and do a lot of really good interval training. And interval training is fantastic for improving your performance. And I'm certainly not slagging it off whatsoever. But you do need to go out and do some longer race efforts. Um, partly to, to improve your sort of muscular endurance, but also to just get used to long efforts rather than one, two, five minute efforts. You know, when you're racing, you're not doing five minute efforts, you're doing a you know, two to three hour um, solid effort on the bike when you're doing a half Ironman. 
So uh, in terms of my objectives, race pace training, um, no warm up on the bike. Uh, as I said, a swim would have been preferable, wasn't practical for me. Uh, I'm also looking at reassessing my zones with a longer session, uh, checking where my heart rate is and making sure that uh, whilst I'm hitting the numbers in terms of watts and pace, my heart rate is not going through the roof. Uh, it's also a good one for me to practice uh, run walking, so at speed. Checking the nutrition is all okay and just making sure you're training your stomach to be able to handle it. And for me, uh, a big part of this workout was uh, checking my equipment and my new setup on my fantastic Cube Arium bike, which is smoking hot fast, Bevan. Good. Yeah. Smoking hot. You can even, I'll even let you have a little look at it uh, oh, once well, we're done. I feel very privileged. Can I touch yeah. it? You can. Yes. Um, it's also for me and for everybody doing these types of sessions a really good mental conditioning workout. You know, you're out there for, you know, two to potentially up to three hours uh, going at a decent pace. It's a solo effort. So there's quite a bit of concentration that's required and just keeping the foot down all the way through. Um, typical Bevan, you know, uh, the good thing about my new bike, it's black. My old bike was white. Yeah, hard to get white. Especially what happens is the gel coat starts to get a bit yellow. Mm. It's a white long term. So, and what was frustrating on Saturday when I did the workout was at home, nice conditions. I'm thinking this is going to be good, nice and calm. It's going to be good. Get 5Ks into the ride. Drizzly shit, overcast British weather for the rest of the bike ride. Uh-huh. I, was, I was fuming. Oh, I went for a bike run on Saturday, but did you go up in the hills? Oh, you wouldn't have. No. You, oh, it was awesome in the hills because yeah, you kind of you're riding along the hills and you break through the clouds but then you're above the clouds it was yeah. a pretty special ride it was miserably shitty <laughs> crap conditions on crappy roads and I wasn't feeling that great uh, but really pleased that I achieved my numbers heart rate was where I want it to be got off the bike ran hit it really comfortably hit my paces nicely um, Bevan are those links going to be on the website if people want to check out uh, maybe yep. they're, they're, well if not they're on our Facebook page if you want to go, oh, check, out go. check out the, the workout page. that I did uh, nutrition uh, went well equipment was all good so overall pretty pleased so that's a great it's a you're feeling quite confident for this race aren't you yeah, I haven't got the endurance that I've had in other events, but this, this is not so much about me. This is just a good session for you guys to do. So we're, what, three three weeks out? So I do this session three weeks out uh, because I haven't really got any racing opportunities. Good one to go out and get done. So I would suggest lots of people include this type of session when you're specifically preparing for a half Ironman. When you're doing, so you want to you want to sit around at a 350, 355 for your run? Uh, well, in Kona, you probably add on about 10 seconds per K Just almost. the heat factor. But, well, heat and also the Rolling. surface. You're okay. running on grass and twisting and turning. So if I can average four minutes per K, I'll be pretty happy over there. Okay, good stuff. Um, so if you want to check that, go to our Facebook page. John's put those files up on our Facebook page. Nutrition, equipment, all good? All good, in the hood. Okay, questions, questions and answers. answers. Good old Mike Threadgold just sent through. Just listened to the show that we did, I think it was last week, where you're just discussing Sebastian Kenley only finishing seventh at the 70.3 in St. George. He was actually in third place at the 20K bikeish on the race, on the bike, sorry, and he was moving up, but then got a five-minute drafting penalty, his first in his pro career. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, he basically said someone blocked him and annoyed the crap out of him. So fair enough. And he did come home with a very strong run. So we were, we were riding him off last week. And it, was, it was more why. Mm. Yeah. And I'm not riding him off to be on the podium in Kona, but I think he's going to need a few things to go his way to win it. He'd have to have an awesome race, and a few other people might have to fall by the wayside, I think, a little bit. The, of the cyclists nowadays, who are the good swimming cyclists? 
Because traditionally, it seems to be... Most of them are crap. Yeah, it no, seems to be cyclists are crap performers. So you, you're strong with cyclists. You've got Vice, who's, who's awesome. Cam Wirth, who's amazing. Uh, both of them are pretty average swimmers. Starkwitz is a little bit better swimmer normally. He's probably the best out of the lot. He quite often gets to the front early on. Um, Lionel Sanders, I know he's injured and he's not racing, but he's a pretty rubbish swimmer as well. Uh, Keenlay, uh, sometimes Keenlay swims well. Um, well, that was the problem last year, wasn't it? Mm. He swam really well. Yeah. And we were like, I'm oh my God. He's in it. Yeah. And and then, uh, and then he had challenges. So I'd say Keenlay's the best uh, out of them, to be honest. Mm. Uh, Daryl Reed's got, uh, hey guys, is there any way of finding out which age group athletes have been accepted into Kona slots at each race? I'm in Australia, just finished, and I'm curious to know which athletes in my age group are going to Kona. It's a great show. Keep up the good work. So I sent off a question here to Russell Cox because he is he loves crunching the numbers. Uh, Coach Cox, I think, .co .uk, and he and because I, I know Ironman New Zealand published the names on their website, and my suspicion was confirmed by Russ was that it really is just a race by race. Basis and most races don't seem to announce the Kona um, qualifiers, which I think is a real shame. And they perhaps should lift up, pick up this, pick up the game a bit there. And it's amazing because it's, it's a nice little bit of recognition. Well, it's also amazing it's not on some WTC website. Yeah, I agree. So you, there are other websites. We've got a website of the week coming up, and and what you can do with that is it tells you, you know, the fastest qualifier in your age group, the slowest qualifier, but it doesn't have the names or anything like mm. that. Uh, so I think it, it would be a good addition. Um, good old Rob Lyons, Scott, continually to enjoy the podcast. He started listening in two thousand and twelve, and that was when he was doing wrote. I'm Talk always gets to play the heat of everything else when my stream arrives. So, have you seen this? And he's basically sent a link through to Torsten's got a Kona 2019 page. It's basically showing all the pros that have qualified for Kona already this year, and he updates it all the time. And uh, lots of, like, there's not many left in the female to go. You only ten people who can qualify. Yes, yeah, so um, we have mentioned this page before and I am going to get Torsten on the show in June because then we're going to do a good wrap-up of where everything stands, who hasn't qualified. That's always the interesting one. It's not so much who's qualified but who hasn't. Uh, so do check out tryrating.com. Athletes that have declined their slots so far, there's only been uh, Lucy Gossage and Teresa Adams. So I see the latest additions on there uh, are Laura Siddle from Ironman Australia. And uh, oh, Tim Reid did take his slot. Ah, ah dog yeah so uh that's interesting because he's has not had a good kona yet and he's a family man he's got to you know bring home the bacon it's a a it's a big expense for pros to go to kona and if you're not the 10th it ain't what is payday ten, what is 10th pay it's reasonable i'm just going to guess I, I reckon it's about 10 grand or something like that maybe something like that it's it's Worthwhile. Okay. And the next topic where you talk about, I'm going to try to find the answer to that question. So, yes, so it's um, only two athletes have declined, and Torsten also has have a page on there which sort of explains the different colour coding as well. Uh, so, if you've got any questions, um, check out Torsten, tryrating.com. Make sure you sign up because, uh, especially to his Kona coverage, it's outstanding. We had some sad news in the sport in the last week. Uh, Mike Plant, who you may have listened to on our Legends of Triathlon podcast, um, sadly passed away uh, this week. And it was pretty sad news, really, because Mike Plant was a pioneer of the media of the sport, really, wasn't he? Absolutely. There's a very good piece going on slowtwitch.com uh, explaining where he kind of fits into the puzzle, and he really was. So go, go and listen to our Legends of Triathlon. Oh, it was one of the originals. It was uh, episode number nine, uh, and it was a great interview. I do remember doing that. But he... Um, Apparently he's just a humble guy, uh, um, Dan on Slow Twitch wrote this big long article and he, you're exactly right, he kind of had a piece and you think of the big names in terms of administrative type people 
at the moment, you know, you think of like um, Dan Enfield, who's, who's got slow twitch. You think of Mike Riley. Yep. Uh, you think of Babbitt. all these uh, Babbitt. He basically gave them all their sort of first jobs and, and helped form the things that they've done. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like he was battling some very um, odd form of cancer and yeah. didn't really know. And he also had a lot of um, uh, bowel-related issues, so it was probably linked into that. It's a very sad time because he was one of the uh, fantastic instigators of the sport. So go and listen to what he did get up to on Legends of Triathlon. I remember, I, remember I loved his interview. And one of the reasons I loved his interview, you know, I don't think about that many bad Legends shows, but... Um, the thing he said was, he said, the sad thing about the sport nowadays is it's moved away from let's just go have an adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, and that really impacted me, mm. you know, because the thing I loved about the sport, and I'm sure, like, I'm sure there are people who are still out there doing this, but I loved it when John would say, mate, this is a crazy thing. Ride to Queenstown. Yeah, ride to <laughs> Queenstown or do triple long bays or something stupid yeah. like this. And I was like, I just loved that I was fit enough to be able to kind of have these adventures and kind of have these cool life experiences of people who also love that. And um, sometimes when we get so focused on a fast Ironman all the time, we lose a bit of that passion. Mm. Um, so uh, check it out, Legends of Triathlon, episode number nine with Mike Plant. Seriously, you can learn a lot from just going to listen to the show. If, if you're new to the sport, um, go check out that show, man, because it's some just amazing stories from the people who really are. And what's cool about that show is, you know, like Mike's passed away. Hmm. And you know, and and to actually hear the man talk for an hour about something he's passionate about is is pretty cool stuff. So check that out. Now, John, just a, there's a a few weeks ago we had a discussion over the week, um, which then after that you and I had a discussion about, and it was the one around um, the reason you do triathlon, and you kind of took it in a different way that I did. Yes, and uh, you kind of went really deep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you were going for the shallow Facebook answers. And well, I was, no, uh, because I actually, <laughs> I did have the right answer based on the question. But more importantly, we just inspired one of our listeners, and they didn't want to be named, but they've, they've written this article of why I try. And I think, you know, when you went really deep, it kind of helped them to kind of explore this. And they've written this really good piece. And I'll, they've basically got some, it's basically like six pages long. Um, I'm not going to read it all here, obviously, but I'll put a link to it in our show notes and it's a pdf you can download it and he's just got some some titles here so he's basically got a reason why it all started um and then he's got some bullet points and it's just some of the headers include it was mine it made me even more resilient and tested me more in both the limits of my mental and physical self it was exciting to find solutions improve my behavior towards others improve my self-awareness it took me on a path to helping others uh, taught me how to fail, made me feel worthwhile, helped me to deal with change. I learned not to only worry about things that I could, oh, sorry, I learned to only worry about things that I could control and to make sure I did control them. I learned accomplishment, what accomplishment really is. Uh, it has taught me what performance coaching really means. And I've learned uh, to work with what I have and what I hoped I have. Uh, made me happy and it's been able to bring me to a part of a wonderful community so if you want to read that there's a lot more in it but it's a uh, maybe we should have a deep dark discussion of why we try you know like, <laughs> i don't know if i want to go there bevan i think you know, like i do think it's good to go deep so maybe we'll do that so if you want to check that out you can go on to www i'm talk for this week's show notes and there's just a pdf in there and you can read it maybe it'll inspire you to write down why you try it sometimes it's good just to do some self-reflection and these types of things john uh patrons Right, Bevan, we've got uh, a few patrons here for uh, long-standing supporters. We've got Natalie, the energy source Smith. Steve, the uh, freaky son of a gun, Chamberlain Ward. And Lawrence, the phantom house. And we've got a new one, John. Good old Daryl Reed's got, I've always lived in Canberra, the capital of Australia. Have you been to Canberra? 
I've biked into Canberra uh, on Epic Camp uh, when you was talking about adventures there. Uh, it was we biked into Canberra, we biked to the AIS, and then we got the hell out of there. What? Why? I don't know. We just I think I think plans changed mid mid camp for Gordo, and we had to get back to Sydney. And he said, "Right, we're going to bike to Canberra, and we'll all just jump on a plane." Oh, really? <laughs> and we just because we had to get back to Sydney, that was our sort of departure point, and we flew from Canberra to Sydney. I went. I've worked in um, Canberra once, and all I remember is long streets. <laughs> That's what I tend to remember. Um, and I have my own small electrical wholesale business. I've been married for twenty years. Some of those are very happy. Oh, careful, mate, careful. Uh, I have three teenage kids. I played Aussie rules football in my local comp until I was about thirty-four, and kept fit, uh, uh, but kept my body kept getting injured. After a few years at the gym and local fun runs, I decided to give triathlon a go. Unlike a lot of Australians, I didn't grow up near a beach, and swimming wasn't a big was a big fear I wanted to conquer. Joined the local tr- novice triathlon program, and I never looked back. I tried I like to embrace the try anything ethos, and I've taken a crack at all distances of triathlon and love trying new races rather than just going back to the same old one. Only one Ironman, which was Port Macquarie in 2017, he thinks he did about 11, 12. I've done multiple of half distances, with my P being being 4:39 at Challenge Melbourne this year. Hold well on, uh, the run was about one. Okay, short. Don't, Don't tell, tell people about that. Yeah. Let's <laughs> keep that to yourself. Uh, my goal is to continue to develop and improve as a triathlete for as long as I still get a buzz out of jumping out of bed in the morning. What a great attitude. Fantastic. Daryl Reed. We know when you go Sparky because he's Sparky. Yeah, he's sort yeah. of in that, that industry. I've got one from the nickname Generator. Uh, you can tell me if you like this, Bevan. Captain Leopard. What about the electric feeler? The electric feeler. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> because what I thought there, because... Um, so obviously Sparky, the electric, yeah, you know, but Daryl Reed. So the guy, the singer from the Feelers, it's not Daryl Reed, no, it's James, James Reed. Reed. So I thought well, the Reed, that's the association, the electric feeler. Okay, and he can tell his wife that she can remember all the time. He was a couple of years in front of me at school. Uh, oh, was he? Reed. He was in the choir. He was a good choir boy. Was he really? Yeah. Well, the, the Feelers him to be part of the Feelers. The Feelers are one of the most successful rock bands mm-hmm. in the history of New Zealand. Not many other people. I don't think they really made it anywhere else. But they've got some pretty cool music if you want to listen to them. Um, Daryl, the electric feeler, Reed. Thank you for contributing to the show. Yeah, mate. You can feel up the the. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> love your support if you want to become a patron of the show John go to www.imtalk.me you'll see where you become a patron it helps support us and what we're doing you win an entry to Kona for next year and you get a gift depending on your patron level uh, John if you want to email the show email to you go to www.imtalk.me down the bottom, bottom of the front page you just put your details in there and each week when I release the show I just send out an email if you want to get some coaching go to coachjohnnewson.com my podcast bevanjamesisles.com uh, is where you get that Content such as Age Group of the Week, websites, and other feedback, just email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, we are running our Rote Camp next year, so if you want to get your name on the list, it's starting to, I wouldn't say it's full yet, but it's certainly we've got a good number of people that are keen uh, keen as beans. So get on it, check out what Rote is all about. Uh, it's a fantastic camp and a fantastic race, so get in touch, and the details are on I Am Talk as well. I just got a text from my mum saying, uh, did you remember it's your dad's birthday today? <laughs> but I did. <laughs> I texted him this morning, but my dad's not very good with the phone. Yeah. So I, I, I probably need to give him a call, but he'll be at work. Right. So I don't want to. I have to, John, you see, I have to yeah. twenty-one this morning. Yeah. Just do a I, screenshot of that I, and I will, send it to I, your mum. I, I do need to do that. John, you goss. 
What's my goss? Kids uh, racing? Kids just been had the, the reason we're recording a bit later. We normally record early Tuesdays. Uh, today is early afternoon. So Bevan thankfully accommodated my uh, need to go and watch the kids run their zones. So zone sports in New Zealand, uh, you have your school cross country and then you have your zones, which is like a cluster of schools, maybe I think about eight schools. And then if you get in the top six, then you get to go across to the, the championships, Canterbury Championships. Uh, and my kids got second and fifth. Felicity got second, Tom got fifth. So that was both got through. So it was fantastic. When are the gems? In about a month's time. Thankfully, I'm here. Where do they do them? Uh, Hallsville Quarry. What's it all there, good, are they? Good, solid cross country course. Yeah, was solid, there one so. kid who was just like, oh my God, tell him? Uh, in a couple of races there, there was a few that were off the front. And Tom's race, one kid won by 150 metres or so. How far, how far did they go? 3K? 3Ks for Tom, 2Ks for Philly. Nice. So it's good times. Yes, no, solid performances. Uh, outside of that, Bevan, what's going on? My wife's getting sick. If I get uh, sick, there's going to be hell to pay, I tell you. Oh, it's going to no. be hell to pay. Good time to be. Oh, no, she's coming with you. So she's not coming at the start. She's coming towards the end. Oh, nice. And then we're going to go learn how to surf oh, at really? Sunset Beach. Okay, you can't surf. Sorry? You're such a water well, person. Gonna, I know. We'll find out if I can or if I can't. Mm. Uh, outside of that, Bevan... I'm reading a book called London at the moment. And is it by this guy, book. same guy who did Paris? I believe so. Yeah, I've never read them. Did you read them all? Do you enjoy it? It's um, only on to chapter, th- chapter three or story three so far, so it's going okay. And outside of that, just thankful we're getting some nice, decent weather. Loving my guinea pigs. Enjoying, enjoying my guinea pigs. I got bitten by my guinea pigs. Your guinea pigs? Our guinea pigs. Got bitten. I was, drew some serious blood. I was gave her a good scolding. Oh, did you really? Yeah. How do you scold a guinea pig? Just like this. You naughty <laughs> guinea pig. You naughty guinea pig. No grass for you today. No grass. <laughs> they do a lot of pooping, guinea pigs. A yeah, lot there's a lot of, of cleaning up for, for the reward of the pet. Yeah, we just move them around. Yeah, the kid's doing that, so, so it's all good. All good in the hood, Bevan. Got a running race this weekend. Looking forward to that. What are you doing? Well, I've got to do it after a 90-kilometer half Ironman bike ride, and then I'm going doing a 10-kilometer running race, and I don't think it's going to be very pretty. No. What, will you just try to sit on a pace or is that a proper race? It's cross country, so I'll just tempo run it. Yeah. Um, so that, Bevan, what's happening in your world? Dad's birthday today. Dad's birthday, Dad's Mother's birthday. Day as well. I yeah. scored there, well, I did well there. What'd you do? Well, for, not for my mother, but for my wife. <laughs> you did nothing for your mother. Yeah. Got her a, a facial and some chocolates. Oh. I think I did pretty well. Didn't do much training that day, kept it on the down low. <laughs> just got up, did a sneaky one hour wind training session, and then that was it. Tell you what, tell you what, we went into pornos the other night for for, for dinner. Porno's a female, <laughs> highly intelligent, intelligent person. He's not a dodgy person. Well, it's a guy. I know that, but I think if people, when people say you say porno, if people think that guy must be. If real you've listened to this show for a long hero. time, you know porno is just a nickname. Mm. But we went to his house for dinner, and they did the sneaky one on us, John. Because what do you do when you go into someone's house to eat? You take a bottle of wine. You take something, don't mm-hmm. you? You take something. So they said to us, "We'll grab takeaways." Mm. So we turn up. We've got cash because yeah, that's how we roll. Yeah, high rollers. And uh, they said, "Oh no, we're doing homemade pizzas." I was like, "Oh no, we felt really bad because we didn't take anything." But then Porno's pizzas, I tell you, there's a business there. <laughs> he made some mean pizzas, oh. and he put flavors which I was a bit unsure of. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. And and he put these flavors together, and, and it really worked. And Millie did do a Hawaiian one for me, <laughs> and and I think I was a little bit rude without knowing it yeah. because what happened was he put the Hawaiian. Because they had the um, what's the base, the stone base, yes, yeah, the yeah. pizza base. So they had that, and then he chopped it up, and then he put a 
couple of pizzas on them, all the pizza was, and he put them on a couple of pizzas on another plate. And I thought, oh, yeah, there's some more Hawaiian. I, I think I had that pretty much all Hawaiian. I ate it, and then I think it was actually his plate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, there was a little bit more Hawaiian. So Because I noticed he went yeah. and grabbed another piece and then put it back on that plate. Like, yeah. And then I thought, oh, that probably wasn't my sharpest effort. One <laughs> um, other thing is, you know, if you've had an injury where you think, oh, my God, this is a really serious injury, and then you do a hard workout and it disappears... Don't think so. No, I, 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 had, I had an ankle injury last week where I thought I've broken a bone. Like I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, man, I could, it was like walking was sore. I was in a lot of pain. I was like, gonna have to get to the physio or something on Monday. And then I had to teach a grit class. Now grit is kind of crossfitty, kind of top end, hard, mm. hard. And I thought, well, I'll just take it really easy. But I got kind of caught up and pushed through. No pain at all. Tell you what gives me pain is your bloody body balance session. I did Les Mills ever body balance, and I did that on oh. Sunday. I've never really done it before. Did you do that at home? Just at home. Oh. And uh, crikey, I'm a bit sore after that. Sore? Yeah. But it's a release. Yeah, well, it wasn't for me. Maybe mm. I just went a little bit too deep. So you're wrong. Yeah. Have you got the demand again, have you? No, we stole it off uh, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> Shh. Oh, no, it's on YouTube. Yeah, that's all right. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. Home and don't train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kaha.